0: Hello, and welcome to Bye Bitches. I'm your host, Melinda Clark, here with my lovable co-host and daughter, C.G. Marriage, Catherine Grace Mirage, um, or Catherine the Great, sorry, honey. Uh, you guys might know me from a show called The O.C. and my recent podcast with Rachel Bilson. It was called Welcome to The O.C. Bitches, where at the end of each ep, I signed off with Bye Bitches, but you know what? It turns out I didn't want to say Bye. So I really wanted to continue the conversations, but how to do that? Well, let me tell you, with this new podcast inspired by our last rewatch, this Mindy mouth, as my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Ball used to call me, and CG, we're rewatching more iconic movies and TV and talking to the very stars in them.
1: There is more. We have also created a community over on Patreon called Buy Bitches that includes even more content from this podcast and answers to your questions. We also have Welcome to the OC Bitches archival content, Discord, and live events with my mother, Melinda Clark, and Rachel. This is a community for all of you that have supported them on their old podcasts and didn't want Welcome to the OC Bitches to end.
0: I hope you all join our community and continue the journey with us as we talk about more of the most iconic movies, TV, and people we love that have had an impact on us and our culture today. Let's get started. Hi, C.G. Hi, honey. Hi, Chicago. From
1: Chicago, yes. How are you, mom?
0: I'm good, I'm good. We're actually pretty cloudy here at the beach, but how's the weather in Chicago?
1: Oh, you know, it's bad as usual, but that's why they call it the Windy City. But enough about us. We just did this great interview with Tate Donovan, and we are very excited for everyone to hear it.
0: Yes, it was long, it was epic, and you actually learned quite a bit, didn't you? Mm Mm-hmm. So anyway, since it is long and he's one of my favorite people and wonderful storytellers, let's just get right into it. Thanks for being here, everyone. So we are so excited to welcome our first guest. He played the infamous Jimmy Cooper from The O.C., and he contributed so much to Welcome to The O.C. Bitches podcast, but my friend Tate has such a long and vast resume that I wanted to continue the conversation. So please welcome Mr. Tate Donovan. Hi, Tate.
2: Oh, my God. I'm so psyched to be here.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Get to talk about
2: me and my vast career.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Very seriously. Vast. I mean.
2: That's a good word for it.
1: You've been doing this for a while.
2: Yeah, I have been doing it for a long time.
1: These movies came out before I was born, so. I know. My gosh.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, like, I feel as though, like the last time I saw you was like at an OC watch party or something like that, CG, and you were like four.
1: I think mm. I might have seen you later at your play in New York. Oh, Right, yes. But I have no idea how old I was. You were 11. I was 11. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually very funny. That
2: was a while ago, too.
1: That's a
0: funny story. So I was in Toronto, and CG came to visit me because she was living in LA and I was flying back and forth, but I just wanted to take her. To, like to to New York to do something fun, but she was at the age where all she wanted to do was go to the M M&M and M store in Times Square, and you happened to be doing a play with Francis McDormand, right?
2: Yeah, Called like super like super inappropriate or not inappropriate, <laughs> but just boring to an eleven year old.
1: I don't remember she was- it at all. Yeah, Yeah. because you probably
2: were looking at, you know, you're playing with your hair or looking at, did you have a phone at that point? No, kids didn't have phones back then. She was
0: pretty good. We had pretty good house seats down close and she was on the aisle and she actually paid attention, but she was dragging me afterwards to go to the, we we went to the M&M store (laughs) at least a dozen times just in a couple days. That's all she wanted to go to. (laughs) Uh, But look at her now. She's 23. And I love the idea of doing this podcast and continuing rewatching iconic things and talking to the people that we talked to on the OC who uh, who were in some of those iconic films and introducing them to CG because she's a you know, she's going to Second City now in Chicago.
2: Nice. Talk about iconic. That must be amazing. I mean, I I love going there just to see all the comedians, all the actors that came out of there. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. They have a huge... What's that like? How how are the... You taking classes there? What are you you doing? I'm
1: taking improv and acting classes. I just finished level two of improv and I'm starting level three on Monday where I have... I will have a show at the end of it. Oh,
2: Um, that's exciting.
1: Yeah. So this is... I always like my whole life. I was like, no, I don't want to act like I don't want to get into that business. Like I've seen what yeah. it does to mom. And then, I, <laughs> and then I graduated college and I realized, you know, I don't have a passion as much for what I studied. And I was like, you know what? Let's try it out. Let's go crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah. You're in Chicago. Why not? Why not go for yeah. it? It must be a lot of fun. I mean, it seems like a lot of fun. Is it as much fun as I'm imagining?
1: Yes. It's also just like I am doing it to learn, but it's so fun. Like I have a nine to five job now. And on Monday nights after I get to go for three hours and just like mess around with some people and play improv games. And it's really, really fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. I think I might do that actually. Uh, I might sign up for improv one. (laughs) <laughs> I recommend you know, it. just to get the juices flowing again you know I mean? I've been
0: telling her that is probably one of the things that I think it's, it's one of the bravest things that actors can do but it's also so fundamental and so imperative to be a good actor because there's, the rule is the number one rule is you can't say no and you have to go with what the other person's doing and you have to yeah. learn how to listen and yeah. I think that some of our best Actors and stars came from that really Steve Carell was there. That's how he got his start. Right. Yeah. Um, And uh, I wish I'd gone back. So I I have images of like doing exactly the same thing. Let's go to the groundlings or something, but, but it takes, uh, I mean, everybody could do it. Everybody should take an improv class. It's just fun. It it is just
1: fun. Like it's a good way to, like, ha- actually have, like, an enjoyable weekday and not live for the weekend. Like, I, I get excited because I'm like, oh, Mondays, I actually have something fun going on. So, yeah, I'm liking it a lot.
0: You, take, do you, I'm sure you did improv because you studied at USC, right? Did they have... Yeah,
2: yeah, one of my favorite uh, classes, and I actually studied improv after him with a guy named Stephen Book, who mm-hmm. still teaches um, yeah. this fantastic technique of using improv for dramatic, like everyone thinks, oh, improv, it's got to be funny, but he actually applies the techniques of improv to a script, to a, it could be a dramatic script, it could be any kind of script, and it's really, it's, it's just fascinating, it's really, really fun work, and I, I to this day, um, I use the techniques that I learned in, in, in my improv classes, for sure.
0: You can never stop learning. Never stop no, learning. No, and we that's, never really know that's what the pre-
2: problem, you know, like,
0: didn't you, <laughs> didn't you think,
2: like when you were like CG's C, age, you know, like, oh, when I get this age, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have it down. I'm not going to get nervous. I'm not going to, I know, I'm going to know what I'm doing. And it blows my mind that like, here I am, uh, I've been acting for what, 40 years professionally. Right. Yeah. And I still get on a set and something will happen. And I'll be like, Oh my God, no, 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 no. I have no idea what to do. I'm like completely lost. I'm like, Oh shit.
0: It's uh, it's so refreshing right, because thing. it is true. It's one thing if you've been on a series or a set for a number of years, then you're really comfortable. But every time you show up to do something new, like I had some, like what it butterflies today, because even though I've been doing this podcast for a couple of years, I'm still, this is something new. It, it's still, and the body tells me like, this is new and until yeah. you get used to it, and and you're so right, like, especially if your guests are on a, te- on a television show, that you really are thrown to the wolves. You better know your shit. They're not taking care of you at all.
2: Yeah, nobody's, nobody's, <laughs> yeah. Especially the director.
0: <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is, like, sometimes... I can't tell you how many times, because directors in TV really, um, unless they're, you know, the uh, supervising producer or they're the re- repetitive directors, sometimes they're, they're guests and it's an audition for them too. Oh my God, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I, I've been treated the worst by those guest directors and I'm a guest actor, almost to the point where it's like, because they didn't cast me and I was in a, on, a, on an arc and at some point, and some director said something like, he made a comment about how he didn't cast me. And he was unhappy with me or something. And it literally made me start shaking once. You just never know what's going to come at you. So it's important.
2: Yeah, it's true. I just always say
0: the more prepared I am and I know my shit, no matter what happens, it can't throw me because that, that has to come out of the mouth. And I have to hit my marks.
1: Yeah. Sounds like a lot of pressure. Maybe I should uh, rethink this. No, <laughs> no, no. It, listen, it's, but it's the
2: best, best pressure you can have, you know, where it, it's like so much fun. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, we're, we're the luckiest people on the planet yeah. to be able to do this for a living and do it for the rest of our lives. It's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, to do this.
0: there's a way of turning that energy because it, I used to identify it as fear, but I've le- I'm learning to turn it as excitement. This just means I'm way focused. I mean, some of the biggest stars in the world, like, was it Peter Fonda? Oh, no, sorry. Um, Jane Fonda. Henry Fonda, <laughs> who talked about, um, was it Henry Fonda? Who talked about all of his nerves were in his little pinky and he held it right there. And he just like, he, uh, he located it right there. Or there was Geraldine Page, I think, who said she was just had terrible stage fright. But there is something that's always the lead up to something. And then when you get in it and you're trained to be in the moment, we're in the moment and we're and we're safe and, and we belong here and we take our time and we know what we're doing. You'll get to that point, but you, you'll never get there if you don't take action and practice and do it. Like we're doing this podcast right now. Okay, yeah.
2: mom. All right, yes, mom. mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about calling this thing bitching because everyone said in the 80s, bitching man. And CGs like, yeah, whatever, Mom.
2: I know, but is every one of your podcasts going to have the word bitch in it? I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're like the nicest, <laughs> most wonderful woman in the world. Um, I
0: have. We've been throwing that around because it's. we're going to call it Bye Bitches because I, at the end of the podcast, it's called Bye. You know, I'd say Bye Bitches. Mm -hmm. And people love that. And this is kind of an extension of that because people have been asking me, asking if we could continue to do it. We can't continue to watch the OC. We've done all the episodes and I can't start (laughs) over. (laughs) I need a break. That doesn't mean we can't talk about it. I'm sure we'll always have some conversations about it, but we, I feel like we've exhausted that subject for now. That's fine with me. Let's move on. (laughs) I didn't tell you CG that we were going to rewatch the OC on this podcast. Oh
1: surprise It's actually another <laughs> o c
0: podcast I do want to say since this podcast is re-watching iconic films of the past, what were your feelings about watching like you're now that you're forty years into it, how do you feel? what would you say to that guy back in nineteen ninety and ninety two how does it feel?
2: oh gosh um I would say, gosh, you were young and and handsome. Like I, I, I didn't realize how handsome I was. <laughs> I would have relaxed. I would have said, you know, you're good looking enough. Don't worry about how good looking you are. <laughs> um, I would have, uh, <laughs> um, uh i would have uh you know it's it's what you always tell yourself at a younger age you know just relax take it easy don't worry about stuff um you know the 20s is our are, our are t- cgi I, I you know the 20s are tough for for me they were tough cuz you worry about so much stuff uh a lot of anticipatory anxiety you know about and um you know the the blessing of getting older is you're like wow i really didn't need to worry about all that stuff i really um you know should have just enjoyed things a little bit more um so that that's what i'd say to him just you know take it easy and enjoy it you're a very lucky human being to be involved in all of these movies and films and television shows yeah. and i mean you're just one of the luckiest people on the planet have fun.
1: Yeah. I'll take yeah. the advice too. <laughs> I'll take it into good, consideration. Good. Well, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, do you...
2: You're good looking enough, CG. <laughs> You're good looking enough.
0: Well, and I think it's important to like, you know, obviously it's a vain, it's a vain industry. And when you uh, there are plenty of times where I'm like, oh, I think I was getting roles because I had the right look. I know there's better actors, you know. I always tell myself. <laughs> yeah. And then when now that now that I'm getting older, it's because of how I look. I'm not getting yeah. cast. I mean, there yeah. is vanity, yeah. and there's at some point you've yeah. got to drop that and accept, you know. Like in Ghosted, I just worked, um, you're you're in a new sh- uh, film with uh, Anna, Chris, Evans. Chris Evans and Anna De Armas. Anna De
2: Armas. yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: you're playing Grandpa.
2: No, <laughs> no, Thanks you're, a, you're a dad. No, I'm playing. I'm playing Chris Evans's dad.
0: <laughs> so I started watching it last night, and I could swear I was like, "What? He's a dad. What? Why? Why did I have grandpa in my head?" <laughs> Thank goodness I was like, "No."
2: Because I had a great. I have a very gray beard. Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, gray beard. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to work on. Dexter Fletcher, the director of that, is uh, he directed Rocket Man 2. So oh. I worked with him there. And he's just like, he's a barrel of laughs. And yeah, that, that movie was was a lot of fun.
1: Right. Um, one more 411 question. What is your favorite film right now or your favorite movie of all time?
2: Jeez. Um, my favorite film right now... Uh, I just rewatched a movie that I think might be my favorite movie of all time. And it's called Paris is Burning. Have you guys seen that movie? No. No. It's a documentary about drag queens in the 90s in New York City. Oh, wow. And it is... When it came out, I was blown away. And because I was living in that neighborhood, I was living in the West Village down by the piers where... um, uh, there were a lot of uh, trans, it was a big transvestite community and um, the meatpacking district. And uh, I just, it, it's just the most beautiful, hilarious, uh, poignant, uh, moving documentary uh, I, I could possibly imagine. And, and being an actor, I just, I just related to, um, you know, it's, it's, there's been so much anti-drag, anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans stuff. I live in Texas. Um, It seems like the whole state, every red state, is passing these horrific laws. And I've been wondering, why am I so disturbed by this? You know, like, why, why do I feel such a kinship to people who are transitioning and who um do the art of drag Uh, and and it's because uh I am one of them because I've transitioned like if you're an actor you're you want to be someone uh, someone that you're not you weren't born into being and Mm -hmm. there's a freedom and there's a liberation into that and I I don't really know how to express it but I just find Paris is burning to be Mm -hmm. The most beautiful movie, most human movie uh, I've seen in a long time. And there's really one hilarious moment at the end where they're all sitting on this car out by this pier in New York City and they're just complaining about their boyfriends and guys and and they're just like complaining about men and how men are so terrible. And of course they are all men. <laughs> <Right>. But um <laughs> so it's so fucking funny to me. It's so brilliant. It's so human that we um uh are I don't know it's just uh it's just fantastically um what is the word you know um it's a, a celebration human, of a life yeah and, and, and the, yeah. the incongruities mm-hmm. that the complications of of our spirit and our mind and our bodies and uh our imaginations and i don't know it's it's just uh it's great you should check it out right. it's really good right.
0: oh i can't wait i can't wait Love Potion was one of your first films. And for our listeners who aren't so familiar with this gem, <laughs> here's a quick synopsis, CG.
1: The synopsis of Love Potion number nine. Uh, it debuted in 92, starring Tate Donovan and Sandra Bullock. Uh, it takes its name from the 1959 hit song Love Potion number nine and it is about a love potion that enables a person to make people of the opposite sex become completely infatuated with them simply by talking. It was Dale Lawner's directional debut. He is also know f- known for writing My Cousin Vinny, Ruthless People, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels.
0: You haven't seen any of those movies, have you, CG? Uh, Probably not. No. <laughs> but those are great ones. But I will <laughs> soon. Yeah. I yeah. will soon. <laughs> right? Yeah. Launer. Yeah, Is that how you say it? Launer?
2: Dale Launer. 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 So that's yeah. how I said He's it. He's done
0: some pretty iconic things. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. He
2: was, a, he was a great
0: writer. So you you were you came about in the 80s, starting with movies like No Small Affair with John Cryer as your first mm-hmm. one. And then you did mm-hmm. Space Camp. And yeah, was this was really your first leading role. And how old were you? How did it come about?
2: I was uh, 26 or 27. And, um, I just auditioned, you know, um, the old fashioned way, um, (laughs) for Dale. Uh, and, uh, it was really funny. It was actually really funny. I went in, I did the audition. I thought it went pretty good and it was in New York city and I was walking down the street and I just sort of read that, um, if you hear your name in like, you know, sounds like um, like a car honking its horn or something falling, and you think you heard, you know, your name, it's a sign of severe narcissism. So I'm walking down the street, I, I get out of this audition, and uh, I, I think I hear my name, Tate. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, man, you're such a narcissist. You know, it's probably just a car honking or whatever. And I'm like, here, Tate! Tate and I'm like that's probably just like an elevator door or something or, you know somebody <laughs> ordered, you know somebody yelling something up. and then I realize I look up and out of the casting office it was like eight stories up is Dale Loner going Tate <laughs> come back here this is before cell phones and you know like, <laughs> like so he was just screaming for me to come back up and read again because he uh, because Sandra Bullock was in the, the office as well and I had never heard of Sandra Bullock or whatever. And so he immediately wanted us to do, like, a, um, a chemistry read together. And um, so we did that. And, and um, yeah, and we, and we ended up both getting the part. We, we were psyched. So Sandra was in the room? Well, she was in the waiting room when I left. But I, I didn't notice her. Like, I, I just sort of, like, split her a bunch of, you know, actors for all different parts. And he like, right then and there was like, Oh, this guy's good. Oh, this guy, this girl's good. And, um, you know, like he just matched us up and he wanted me to come back and read with her.
0: So that's how you guys met. Actually,
2: you weren't dating before that. We met, uh, during the the making of the movie. Yeah. We met auditioning and then, um, we were both dating other people at the time and then we did the movie together. And, uh, by the end of the movie, we weren't dating other people. Ah, as much yeah that (laughs) does happen
0: that does happen. yes
2: that happens yeah
0: you know i when i was researching this as i do uh i noticed that you know i had such memories of it because cg literally i think i was your age i think i was 23 when it came out and but then i was researching it and the, the the reviews were mixed but i remember my friends and i loving this and if you didn't see it in the movie theater you definitely saw it playing on HBO or renting it. I mean, it was something that you always, like, I would watch over and over again on a Sunday, hungover or something. <laughs> but, um, I mean, one review said that it was glib humor and an emphasis on feel-good values aimed squarely at the dating crowd and 20-something couples. And then it mentions the unknown cast. With an unknown cast, I mean, do you have any memories of the reactions to the film and... and was it your first time, um, like going to premieres, and, and what was and was there any fame that came from it? Like, what 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 are your no, reflections? You no, know, it totally
2: on that? tanked in the theaters. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and it did. It t- nobody went to see it. it. It only really came to life when it when it got on cable and right. people watched it. Um, you know, the second time around, um, and it seemed to be on like HBO, like twenty four right. hours a day. It was like a Love Potion Number no. Nine channel or something like that. <laughs> Right. Um. So that's where most people saw it. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I'd been to premieres. You know, I was in Memphis Belle and um, some other. You know, Space Camp had a right. big premiere and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it, it totally tanked in the box office. It was it was a total bummer. We were we were we were disappointed. But um, you know, uh, what are you gonna but, do?
0: But we're still talking about it today. You know, it yeah, was, you know, <laughs> I know like I I know.
2: I, people. People love that movie. It's hilarious.
0: You know, like I said, I, cause I just love to, you know, see where the, this, this project, this entity, this, this living thing that was this movie, people are still talking about it on all kinds of podcasts. And it's fun to go through the IMTV conversations or reviews. They're just from a few years ago, you know, they're, they're not from, you know, a few decades ago. They're, they're recent. So people are still discussing it.
2: That's hilarious. I wonder how it holds up in terms of like CG. Did you did you watch it?
1: I did. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah.
2: So so how does it hold up? Like um, in terms of you know I don't know. I mean there's a, there's a whole Me Too thing. You know like like how <laughs> right. does it hold up? Like and it seems like it's kind of like like the scene with uh, Mary Mara, who is such a great actress. So unfortunately, she passed away. It was did she? So I didn't tr- know. yeah, she passed away. It was such a bummer. She oh, was so wow. young. Um, oh, wow. And uh, just recently, like a couple of years ago. I did not and, know that. Um, but she was so great in that. And, and you know, of course, she she plays a prostitute and there are like 500 guys who are just like madly in love with her and they chase her down the street. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would fly today. You know, I, like that seemed pretty scary.
1: Yeah. There were definitely scenes in it that I think would not fly, like if making a movie today um I think the the worst one um I mean we haven't even gotten into the start of the movie but when you go to the sorority house <laughs> that was When I'm
2: on Love Potion number 8.
1: Right, when yeah. you're on Love yes. Potion number 8 um yes. and it's it was a little icky to me because I just graduated college and like it like college girls are like 18 And I don't know how old your character was, but I was
2: I was twenty six. Let's just put it that way.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, So that's not yeah that was icky. That's totally icky. Um, Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. Yeah, it was just um, obviously it wasn't you know showing you in the bedrooms or anything, but what was implied um, was was icky. Yes, was definitely something that I don't (laughs) think would fly today in movies.
2: No.
0: Um, Yeah, I think it's a great way to actually segue into the movie itself, because the whole concept is it's wonderful, wacky. And they have these very iconic hysterical scenes that I don't remember. But the but it brings about a bigger question of consent. The whole thing is consent. Yeah. And that's why, you know, so because your character, Paul Matthews, he's a lonely biochemist and the movie opens Kind of, you know, with the the credits have the song playing, which is a, a very famous song. But it shows you guys, you've got a voiceover and you're walking, and it says, Ominous. from time to time, my buddies and I do a fun thing like bowling. But one day we go to a gypsy, and you have an iconic scene with Anne Bancroft, who oh, CG was Mrs. Mrs. Robinson. Robinson. Okay, she knows. Yeah, there you go. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I know some things. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. but but she's first
0: of all. The scene goes to the that that we're un, that we come to understand that this guy is so lonely and has had no women in his life that her, your palm shows no women and it's so unique she needs to take a picture a Polaroid for his for her sister no and women. That,
1: yeah. no women and she, never lonely no women
0: <laughs> yeah and she implies <laughs> she asks if you're gay and you know are you like,
1: are you boy kissy boy. <laughs>
0: And and she ends up giving you this thing in a little bindle, and she's like, "You need this." And and it, and I thought, okay. So first of all, I have to ask you, what was it like working? And then you have some scene. That's another scene with her later. What was it like working with Anne Bancroft as this amazing cameo
2: in this movie? It was uh, it was like a dream come true. I was really? just you know I I was infatuated with her since I was a kid and, and, you know, she's just an amazing actress and married to Mel Brooks. So she's just like royalty. And, um, the funny thing is is that Dale went to a dinner party years before love potion number nine and saw her do this character of a gypsy, you know, like a gypsy fortune teller. So he wrote that part for her. (laughs) Uh, knowing that she was like hysterical and really funny and like came up with all this great stuff. And what was really interesting, you know, she only worked like a day or two on the film, right? You know, she just comes in and does her scenes. And, um, it was one of those rare times where, um, there was a flicker in the light. So she, we had to redo all of her scenes. It was crazy. It was crazy. We had to like redo the whole thing. So so we got to do them twice, which was a lot of fun uh, for me. But and I don't know, so much fun for her. But yeah, I just remember like it was my first experience where you know, like uh, you know, you're on a professional set. Everybody like you know, there's the the technical thing you never even think about. You know, like they check the gate. Remember Melinda when mm-hmm. they'd say check the gate, and they'd actually mm-hmm. check a gate in case um, there's a hair in it. Right, yeah, there was like uh, the film emulsion, you know, in these old cameras. Uh, the, there could be like a little hair, and like the um, the the film could could disintegrate or whatever, and get a little part of it in in the in the gate, and it could show up on the negative And so they always checked to make sure there wasn't a hair in the gate. And at any rate, so yeah, that was that was crazy, but it was a, it was a dream come true to work with her for sure.
0: I can only imagine. Yes, yeah, she's there, there's just so. And this is one of the reasons I love doing rewatches because you, you watch a movie and you, you go on the journey. But when you're watching to actually pay attention to all the details, you forget about those things and they're just delightful. You know, you think about like, God, how come I, I, I need to make choices like that? She's so good. <laughs> but, but we, he so in the meantime, you know, we, after he gives her this, then we meet Diane and. First of all, there's a lot of ugly duckling turns into beautiful princess type movies. This was one of the best ones. Obviously, Sandra is um, amazingly beautiful, but this is a hysterical, I guess you'd call it, um, a down makeover. What do you call it? Unmakeover? Whatever you want to call it, the just ugly duckling.
1: I want to say th- why Sandra Bullock gets cast in so many things where they try to make her this unattractive unwanted like actress and it's like she is beautiful like diane like nerdy diane was still like beautiful like i don't yes. know why sandra keeps getting cast in all these roles <laughs> that are like this but it's just like yeah it was she awesome. went on
0: to do like uh she went on to do um sleep uh, while you're sleeping with peter gallagher but I thought they did a really good job with the teeth and the, and she, first of all, I think what could have been really overdone, you guys did very calm, you did very underplayed nuanced uh, role characters.
2: Oh, well, that's good. <laughs>
0: Like did I, did I? I don't remember. <laughs>
2: <the> yeah, color. <laughs> um, you know. Well, what's funny is that that you know, it's funny that you say Sandra um, always gets cast as these you know ugly people, and she's gorgeous. Well, that is the one of the geniuses of Sandra Bullock is that she doesn't see herself as beautiful at all. I've never met a woman who is so stunning. And just considers herself like, you know, just not attractive. Like she just, and and not in a, not in a bad way or like a, you know, compliment me way, you know, like, you know, like you always hear like these models say, Oh, I was so, you know, dorky when I was, you know, and you're like, you were never dorky. You're always gorgeous. Don't give me that. But Sandra really has, I mean, I think that's what her, where her sense of humor comes in, where she's really super funny. Mm -hmm. She acts like she's, was never pretty her entire life. You know what I mean? She's always been, had to be funny, uh, had to be smart. um, uh, She never relied on her looks. I I don't know what it is. It's just like, it's, I think it's came from her mom who de-emphasized her looks in everything and wanted her to be super capable at everything else and never rely on her looks. I'm not too sure really what the psychology of that is, but I've never met a woman so beautiful who, who doesn't feel beautiful as Sandra.
0: And so self-deprecating. I mean, she's,
2: so self-deprecating. It's amazing. It's hilarious.
0: Well, and it's interesting because sometimes when some people, you know, you meet people in this industry who I've actually said some of the ugliest people I've ever met are the super. I'm not supermodels, but people that look like supermodels. And when they open their mouth, they either have no personality or it's an ugly personality. It's, yeah. you know, or um, it's so many people are attractive, but when they open their mouth, are they kind? Are they giving? Are is the, Are they funny? Are they... Uh, do they have something to offer to the world? And are they, you know, like, I think if you go through life with, um, with super looks, it tends to make one, maybe narcissistic, a little self centered or something, but, but no, she does a wonderful job here. I just think the fun, it, it plays so well because so, so many times it doesn't work where you see somebody who's so stunning, but in this one, it worked. And she just and it didn't look overdone. And she's explaining to her friends about she's a monkey psychologist. And she's I mean, and and it just is it's just so charming. And then, of yeah. course, we move over to to Paul at the bar with his friends. And he's explaining how much he so we we meet her. And then he explains how much he actually likes her. And then they they dare him for 100 bucks to go over to talk to this um, girl at the bar, which is probably the one of the best harshest
1: written speeches any girl has ever given to a guy baffled (laughs) baffled
2: what What do you mean
1: i have been at bars with my friends Mm -hmm. where men boys have come up to me and i'm like please leave me alone i have never in my wildest dreams thought of speaking to someone that way like (laughs) that was out of left field, like mean, vile, like she just met you. You didn't, I was baffled. I was like, that is so mean. And then asking, (laughs) well, you know,
2: sometimes you got to be cruel to be kind. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, um, you know, if you're not interested in somebody, then you, you know, maybe it's best to be, you know, a hundred percent like, Hey, no.
1: I mean, I've, I've been, you know, straightforward, mean, like, hey, mm-hmm. please leave me alone. Like, I'm with my friends, <laughs> or like, get away from me. Like I've said, get away from me before. But she was like, why yeah. did you think I'd be interested in you? It's
0: Someone like, who looks like you. <laughs> why would you be interested in me? But it's but it's a setup. It's wonderful writing because yeah, it's, it's, a of yes, it's a setup. actually, <laughs> Tate, it is. But this, I just remembered the first time I met you, Tate. I walked up to you in a bar. We, you were sitting next to Grant at the Formosa, and That's I walked up to
2: you. Really?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I walked up to you, and you just on that TV show with um, Charlotte Ross, and I knew Charlotte. Uh-huh. So I tapped you on the shoulder, and I was like, "Hey!" And you just you looked over your shoulder, just kind of <laughs> like this, like I'm in, you know. And I was like, "I'm friends with Charlotte Ross," and you literally were like, "Uh-huh." And you turn back to your beer.
2: <laughs> that didn't go over well. That may may not have been the best uh, you know person you could have uh, picked or whatever. But
0: then, I, <laughs> then, when we were on the set of the OC, yeah, and we, we talked were about working Charlotte together.
2: Yeah, and I right. told
0: you that story. I I even said the same thing. I was yeah. like, you know, I worked, and I remember you being. Because I know you now, I remember you being like, uh-huh. And you didn't, <laughs> we, we then, you know, I had to like, you know, anyway, I had to earn your trust. I think you were <laughs> equating me. I, I'm yeah.
2: sure, I'm sure it wasn't like that in my mind. I'm sure it was like, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't remember the, the first time we met, uh, in at the Formosa, no, you uh, I probably was hammered, you know, I mean, it was the Formosa, you know right. what I mean? In the '90s, so uh, you know there was a lot of a lot of things were forgotten that were said and done at the Formosa. Thank God. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's about, I don't normally, and like probably had a little liquid courage, and I'm like, "Drink, drink!" on the back of your shoulder. <laughs> Hi.
2: I generally, I generally respond well to uh, women who are, you know, go dunk to dunk. I'm surprised <laughs> that I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't say more to you.
0: No, you were, you were nice enough, but I, you know, I, you definitely were like, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So we do find out he gets, he gets rejected terribly and, you know, they go home to their respective, but then I, the other quick scene that I want to talk about, obviously you throw away this thing, but then the cat. Eats it and you've got these cats going.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) What was it like? I'm a cat person, actually. CG is too, but what was it like working with that many cats?
2: Well, I'm alert, highly allergic to cats. <laughs>
0: oh
1: my God.
2: Of course. Right. Of course. So I, th- I was pretty doped up on antihistamines at the time. And, uh, <laughs> you blow up
0: in one big hive.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's so it's classic. That that's a classic thing, CG of, of acting. Like something always throws you off. Like it has to be a scene about cats and like, how do you fucking do a scene where you're like, you know, wasted on, um, you know. antihistamines. So you tripping over the cat
1: was an accident and wasn't part of the scene just because you had so much allergy medicine. (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) was
2: doped up. Yeah, I was totally doped up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I
0: actually went to, when I was doing Days of Our Lives, I went to Vegas for the first time. I was only 20 years old and I had been taking Accutane for acne and I didn't realize how, anyway, I had an allergic reaction. It was toxic. And I ended up in the ER on a Benadryl, Benadryl drip because my whole body was turning into a hive and I had oh to go to work God. the next week and take Benadryl <sighs> the whole time. And I'd be sitting oh, there like, asleep, kind of in between takes on a soap opera with hives coming and going. So yeah, you kind of got to go with the flow. You never know what's going to happen.
2: Survival acting. Yeah. I was
0: allergic to Vegas, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I got nervous anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so then he takes the results to uh, to Diane and they discuss it and they decide to test it on her little dressed up monkeys. <laughs> and of course, they do it full strength. And we hear a little ah! and, and think, is she sounding normal? But then all of a sudden, kaboom, kaboom, and the and the wall breaks down and her mate tears after her. And bangs her cage into oblivion and passes out, which is—I yeah. don't think I've ever seen that scene or will again ever again. <laughs> Another
1: scene that dropped my mouth open.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was that must have been a little icky as well. <laughs> I
1: mean, it would not the same kind of icky, but definitely a little icky. Like, and they thought he died. Though they thought the monkey. Orgasmed to death. Like,
0: I'm talking about this. Just,
1: like, who came up with this? Dale
2: Honor. I, it's so funny you guys bring that up because I remember reading that in the script and shooting those scenes and I was just like, I didn't like this. I love chimps. and yeah, yeah. It was really fun to hang out with chimps um, those days. But I... I did. I did. I. I didn't think it was going to be funny. I didn't think it was going to work. Uh, you know, it's difficult to work with animals and try to get the chimp to hump a. Cage, trust me, it look, took all day you know to like Aww. work on these you know with these these animals and, I, and and you know what that is the scene that everyone talks to me about like everyone is like is like that was the funny you know so I, I that scene just reminds me that I really don't know what is funny and what is not going to be funny. you just gotta you know do it because I was so set against that that scene, and I was so wrong i mean people. People love that fucking scene. It was crazy.
0: We always wonder. They always have these disclaimers and no animals were harmed. But then, you know, then you hear stories of actual, you know, there was that um, race, um, uh, race, horse racing.
2: uh, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Series that got shut down. On HBO, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It was like a Dustin Mm Hoffman thing, I think. Yeah. And it got shut down because horses were getting, I mean, in racing, I guess horses do get hurt. But when it's involved in a production... It's um but I yeah, animals. No animals animals were
2: I remember I remember the animal people being you know, the animal people on sets, you know this, Mindy. They're 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 really all over everybody and nobody messes with the animals and it was it was that way, definitely on the set for sure.
0: They, they're called wranglers, and I wranglers, remember I yes. actually yeah, we a had a wrangler because we had to have cockroaches, and this guy brought oh. his precious cockroaches that were that I and I was like that he bred these, and he, I was like, and he was like, "This is my little pet. Be nice to it." And I'm like, "Really?" And it was like, that was that was really hard to, to handle. But yes, <laughs> no, they they'll protect. Look at cg's face. They like to, CG and Adam, my husband, they like to mess with me with cockroaches because they're the freakiest things ever. Anyway. I hate cockroaches. Anyway. Change um, the subject. So anyway, Diane and Paul decide that they're going to test them uh, after they dilute it. They're going to test it on themselves and they separate for three weeks and they each go take a different path. You know, she, she just um, decides, you know, she gets out of a parking ticket and and then she she has it and, and bumps into an Italian car mogul and the Prince of England hears her, whereas
1: Tate is uh, running through a sorority house mad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is appropriate. Like, the what a woman would do and what a man would do, I, I you know, I hate to admit it, but it's kind of felt accurate.
1: Right. It's saying? interesting, well, like, it just goes back to, like, the the, the monkeys, monkeys, like... <laughs>
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> well, it goes back to the scene with, with Diane's friends, it's yeah, with the four girls primal. at the table, and they're talking about like some scientific experiment, and the girl, like Diane's, like, oh yeah, you know, like they effed themselves to death, and the woman goes, just like other men, right, right. She's yeah. like,
0: they hit the button, but uh, yeah. So he he, but the first thing he does because I, I do love the the details of him taking a shower and and your character has this, comb, you know, you get a little looser. I, I like. I love to see the progression of characters, how their hair changes over the, over the course of a film. And of course, you have this perfect little comb over and you go right. back to the scene of the crime with the girl. And the reason that was so harsh, her monologue was so harsh, uh, th- is that you get to whisper to her and the payback feels good. You don't always like the, you know, uh, you, I will do anything. Well, first you say, um what did she say um i can be mysterious and you say i don't like mysterious and she says, well i can be direct "Eh, i don't know if i like direct and then she just mauls you this was
1: another mouth open scene (laughs) she is trying to have did you ever
2: have your mouth closed during this film
1: (laughs) what's your tries to have sex with you at the bar
2: No, no. this stuff was you know love potion number eight man it's pretty intense stuff she,
0: yeah but no it, i think the best and this is where he said you can i'll do this i'll take let's we'll go home if you can answer one question because she says if you if you can name the designer of this top nobody could do that right and then you right. say something scientific and you say bye-bye and you're yes. gone so then mm-hmm. you're off to the races right and then you're off well i mean and it's you know, listen, Tate, the 80s, this movie came at the end of a decade of a lot of sexploitation teen movies like Porky's and Animal House. And I mean, and every movie had booby shots and you couldn't get a movie sold. I mean, I was saying this to CG and this movie didn't have a booby in it. It didn't have anything bare in it. It was mild compared to what had been out there in Hollywood for that for mm-hmm. that decade. Did you ever get offered any of those movies, or did you ever turn down any of those movies? Were you conscious of, of that? I definitely
2: uh, auditioned for a lot of them and did not get them. <laughs> Good. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, for almost all of them, I, I definitely auditioned for them. It's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Well, I was thinking it because that, one of the things about this podcast that I was, you know, I remember, and I'm, I'm not going to tell her details yet, but I want CG's reaction to something like Porky's or Animal House or... You know, these these were the movies that we were watching and kind of formed our informed or formed our youths. And it definitely this is where you're saying, CG, that I don't think we're making movies like that anymore. Right. We're we're a little no. more a little more awareness.
1: Yeah. Watching it now, it's just it's definitely not a film that would be made today. And if it if the same concept was made, it would have a lot more. Um, I think it'd be a lot more, yeah, sensitivity is the right word. Like it would be a lot more sensitive of, you know, all the progressing ideals and everything now, like um, they just wouldn't make movies like this anymore at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very sexist and very, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's embarrassing and terrible.
0: (laughs) Well, but I think we need to, we remind ourselves that Okay, so Paul and Diane have been separate. She has to show up and pick, get him out of jail because he got the, the panty. panty what was it, The law. panty raid law or something? <laughs> and she, and he and all of a sudden she we didn't they they they, they uh, spared us that scene where she has to get all dolled up. Now she just looks amazing, and he's talking to her. But we already know that he already lo- liked her from before, but that she seemed unavailable. And they have this scene where she's you know now she's. Um, Uh, the the Prince of England is after her. And, and all of a sudden Paul is like, wait, I like you. And now they have this realization or he has this realization that he really there's, there's something brewing because something probably all, all always was there. And when they discuss the, the, their, their insecurity and what this potion does for them, because all of a sudden it, it gets, it, it, um, erases any insecurity, right?
2: Yeah, it gives them confidence. That they yeah. never both, had both in the their characters. entire life. Yeah, yeah. They they develop confidence from the whole experience, yeah.
0: I mean, if you could take CG at your age, love potion number eight, would you? <laughs> That's the crickets. Hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, a, is that's I'm, a very like morally loaded question
2: i yeah especially in front of your mom you know uh, what i mean well, um,
1: come on well, okay pause what is she i would say? not use it the way that ta- that your character used it first of all well
2: yeah of course not
1: absolutely not um so i'm not gonna be talking about anything how about the R-rated. way sanders character
2: used it though
1: um to get out of a ticket I I see no harm in using it to get out of, like, rolling through a stop sign or something like that. Or, like...
2: Or dating the Prince of England.
1: You know, I'll have a fling with the Prince of England. Like, <gasps> as long as oh. it's... Like, she came to her senses and was like, yes, obviously I can't marry him. You know? Like, I think there <laughs> is, like, a moral... You know, how <laughs> What if it how was much, Ian or, Selma or, Halder? Okay, Don't even make me go there, because that's going to make me do all... I'm going to switch over to how Paul was, if you bring up Ian (laughs) Somerhalder, so don't even start with me, mother.
0: Basically, what happens is Tate... Or Tate. tate, tate, Diane and Paul now... Our, now we get to my favorite part of the movie, This and, and I love a classic love montage, and it's so sweet, and you're having a good time, and you guys clearly had good chemistry, and, and he's going to propose, and he knocks on the door, and she's not there. Like she, oh, I forgot to ask you about ghosted, but she ghosted him. <laughs>
2: yeah. And
0: I felt so bad for her. And of course, you know, first of all, you're driving a Carmen Ghia, which was such a,
2: Awesome car. I love that car. It was so great.
0: What a a cool car. It was very Molly Ringwald, like, um, you know, pretty in pink. Those were, if you had a Carmen Ghia in those days, that when you were cool, like everybody
2: wanted that. car. Dale was very obsessed with cars and the type of car you drove and stuff like that. And, And, uh, yeah, he was like, and it had to be green it it was, it was awesome. He was, he was really into it and driving that car was so much fun. It was great. Yeah. Is
0: the car in the end, was that Carmen gear or is that Porsche?
2: Yeah, that was a, no, that was, yeah, that was a Porsche. That was a, um, um, uh, God, it was a remake of the, of the, the Porsche that James Dean died in. It wasn't, it wasn't like an, it was like a kit car Porsche, you know, it was like, uh, made to look like it. But yeah, it was that was a pretty cool car too. That's yeah, a really
0: CG, cool you're gonna car. see the Carmen is the car that he was driving. Never heard of Carminga until this conversation. Oh, great. See, you get to learn something. You Never get to learn something.
2: So you learn about automotive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then she so all of a sudden when he finds she says something magical has happened because she doesn't return. I'm in love with Gary. Told and I that's where I went, oh the ick factor. This uh, actor, Dale, um, Dale Midkiff.
1: I was going to say, I think it's important to note that that montage is like seven days. That montage is only seven days. And at the end of that, he's ready to propose.
2: But I've known her a long time.
1: (laughs) But like, when
2: you know, you know, you know,
1: but isn't
0: it sweet that they weren't, that they actually, after all of this time, they're not using the potion. They have this real moment And then, and it's almost like, here's the end of the movie, but then the third act comes and the shenanigans begin. And it's when the movie gets really (laughs) wild because... (laughs) <laughs> he's like he's so devastated he's like writhing on the floor and i'm like has that ever happened to any of you yes know, writhing on the floor and
2: it, yes. It, it
0: yes. yes 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 it it's, it's not i'm sure we could talk
1: about that situation you probably know plenty of my writhing on the floor times
0: oh, uh, oh my gosh! cg knows that's the thing about this she knows all my darkest secrets and my skeletons uh-oh So, okay. And I know yours. No, actually I don't.
1: You probably don't actually.
0: (laughs) I think this is the, we won't talk. put it this way. The rule is what happens on the podcast stands on the podcast.
2: And (laughs) with the people who listen to the podcast.
1: Tate, you have a skeleton you want to share with us? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um yeah sure
1: well okay so of
0: course at some point he's devastated but then marissa the wonderful mary mara comes she she really did add some some flavor to this and she somehow you know stumbles upon this um spray and ends up um talking him into giving him his stereo equipment and telling her about the potion so now she's in the know and uh and after he comes to he gets the idea that. Oh my God! What if she's under the spell? And because uh, because that was the first time Paul had been under the spell, and so now, of course, the um, gypsy lets her know, lets him know that he needs potion number nine that will wipe out anything that's uh, not true or not real, um, even potion number eight. So he's now on a mission. So <laughs> there is this scene where you have to tell all of your friends. About what's going on, and I got to give it to you as an actor you you're just you're literally delivering this exposition, which is what really difficult don't you think exposition like this here's the plan we're going to do this we're going to do this we're going to do this, and you're and it and they reasonably are looking at you like, what the fuck this is so crazy because it sounds ridiculous, and you did a really good job delivering that. I just want to let you know
2: that well, you know it's really funny um Dale was, is really a writer. He, this is the only movie he ever directed. And, um, he would, it was so funny. He wouldn't really, you know, we'd rehearse the scene. We would even start shooting the scene sometimes. And he'd be like, okay, stop. And he would disappear for like an hour and and then come back with new pages and we're like hey man we could use the old pages you just have to direct us you know like point us in the right direction and if you know we can do it in the performance but he was like no 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 you gotta you gotta say these lines i rewritten the whole thing so we'd have to learn the line so that whole that whole scene wasn't in the original script he just one day he was like listen i need you to Memorize this monologue and like he gave it to me and like 45 minutes later while they were lighting, I just had to fucking go for it and um, talk about like, you know, like, yeah, it was totally, uh, you know, thrown at me. And I actually remember it being one of the sort of more fun um, days on set or or just a day where where I was like, wow, I, I memorized this like three page monologue in 30 minutes and it came out great like you know like uh it was like he threw me a huge curveball and um it ended up pretty good yeah it was
0: it was that great. was a fun moment that can actually be interesting when yeah it, it can be interesting when they give you that and you're like you know what i have to memorize this and they give you a half an hour to, to memorize something and and you think well they're if i mess it up i'm not, nothing's expected of me there's almost That's a right. freedom in it
2: Yes, there's a freedom in it. You're yeah. right. You're right.
0: And we get out of our own way. And yes. because I like to yeah. be so prepared. But, um, but in that respect, yes. I'm like, if, if I mess it up, well, nobody's going to blame me and put me on the production report on how we got behind. Right,
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. There is a freedom to like, this just came in, you know, do your best. and like, <laughs> right. All right, man, let's do it.
0: Well, um, I know we're kind of running longish, but I just has CG. I think we should talk about the, um, you know, his his wild plan to get her to drink this thing. And I got confused because he gets her to drink it. And then then uh, he doesn't get to drink it. But Gary drinks it. And and I thought, well, if he drinks it, so I guess I got really confused. Like, why wouldn't she, um, why is she still going to marry him? But anyway, that's what happened. But
2: then because Mar- I think it was like, if it was, isn't there something in the, in the, um, and Bancroft character says, like, if you truly love her, then it will last forever. But if you don't truly love her, you know,
1: right. If, uh, well, I guess I was confused. When, like that. if she didn't truly love you, she'd hate you forever.
2: Right, hate you forever. Hate you forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But
0: yeah. he has to drink from it and kiss her. But Dale, or Dale, sorry, um, Gary drank from it. So I figured that they didn't really love each other. So how would she get still get married? So I was wor- I was confused about that. But it, I guess it basically erases everything but the true love. And because she doesn't really love him, somehow they still got married. But our friend, um, uh... Mary Mara, it comes back and she tricks him out of this potion. And when he kisses her, it smells like uh, mule sweat, <laughs> but then she's into, but he's on it on the potion. So she's infatuated. And the next thing you know, you've got these, I read about it. I guess they hired, it was 300 different extras running through the streets. And that to me, this is why I would never, first of all, I don't want attention from people <laughs> let alone 300 men running after you. There was like a, I got scared for her safety.
1: Oh, I was too. That's terrifying.
2: Yeah, it was terrifying. It was terrifying, especially
1: seeing like what the monkey did. It's like, (laughs) like (laughs) what, (laughs) like if if they got, (laughs) yes, that's what we're picturing. If they got to her, that's yeah. I mean, she says stop. You know what? Thankfully, but
2: and they all listened to her that was the interesting thing you know they all like she had them under her thumb which was kind of fun
0: because you hadn't we hadn't experimented with a human taking it full strength and talking stop so that's how strong it was they actually listened and then she could have I, although it was implied she made them do like a Simon says thing and then she gets this look in her eye of like, hmm. I was like, so what, what ended up happy, happening? We, Yeah, we don't see her again. I don't know. But then she, I think she Hopefully had a lot she, of fun. She
2: took them all of her money, all of their money. That's that's a split.
0: Yeah. But the funny thing is the slow motion, help, running through the police station and and, and Paul's, you know, la, 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 la. and you yeah, see a stampede. Yeah. And when, he, when, it, when it clears... There's nothing but you left because I, I I do think that there was that and also that slow push into her at the end of the um, church and she goes <coughs> and then the whole church hears there yeah. was a there was very reminiscent of um, John Hughes movies and you know as the some of the camera moves were very characteristic and you could tell that he was trying things that made made the film have some have somewhat of a signature he was trying as a director he was trying these different things
2: yeah yeah he did a good job yeah it's a a shame that he didn't really get uh, get to direct after that because it didn't like I said it didn't do well but uh, yeah I mean he was he was he was fun to work with he was uh, yeah you know fun guy he did some fun things
1: (laughs) well he had some wild ideas that's for sure
2: yeah (laughs) he definitely has some wild ideas when it comes to male female relationships
1: he definitely
0: wrote some of the most iconic um movies as the ones that we mentioned before but you know t- um once once paul gets away from the from the police station and he got, does kiss her and runs away i love your voiceover oh there were two voice over and in this voiceover he says it i would i'd like to tell you she showed up five minutes later it took six and then <laughs> and she runs out and and they live happily ever after but in the beginning of the film, you do—you're one of your very first voiceovers when you're walking into the gypsy, a fortune teller, I should say. I don't know if gypsy is appropriate anymore. She <laughs> says, uh, "So we went to see this fortune teller on Thirty Fourth and Vine, which is the lyric, and it takes some skill to not—obviously, you're winking at the song, but your delivery was really good." It's like you you knew you were in on the joke, but it wasn't like you were saying the lyric. I don't know. It, it just um, struck me as like, my friend's talented. He's, he's talented.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know those voiceovers? You know, there were no voiceovers in the script. Oh, right. So he cut the movie together and he's like, listen, I need you to come. And I would go over. I lived in Hollywood and he lived in Santa Monica. And I would drive over to his house. And he had this recording studio in his house that he sort of like made. Um, and uh i i i must have gone over there i don't know 20 times and you know we'd have dinner and he would have a bottle of wine and we actually became really good friends for a couple of years uh and uh yeah i would we would he would try he would write stuff all the time like instead of directing he wrote so he would i i must have recorded 100 hours of voiceover for him for all that stuff. It's oh, really? Pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think it added a lot to it. It definitely had um, some some wonderful additional um, layers to the storytelling.
2: It's funny. When I look at that, I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember looking at it, uh, I don't know, about five years ago or whatever, and, and being like kind of laughing to myself because at the time... I, I I sort of modeled my character after Woody Allen. Hmm. Um, talk about like inappropriate now, you know. Um, but but it was sort of like the 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 greatest romantic comedic actor I felt at the time was Woody Allen. I mean Annie Hall to me is. You know, still my favorite film, my favorite Mm -hmm. romantic comedy. And I was just sort of raised on Woody Allen. And I can sort of see myself trying to imitate Woody Allen, Um, you know, just like a nerdy scientist and hopelessly romantic and falling in love. And I I don't know, it's really, it was kind of funny. I was like, Jesus, man, what's with the Woody Allen imitation?
0: Right. But
2: it was kind of inconsistent too. It was like sometimes it was me and sometimes it was me trying to be woody and I don't know, it's pretty funny. But it it kinda I kinda it kinda works. I think
1: it worked. <laughs> I think you you played the um the nerdy role very well, but by the end of the story it's like you've both come into your own. And you realize that, like, you don't need this potion to be confident in yourself. So I think you played that, like, character progression really well, whether you were intending to or not.
2: No, yeah, yeah. That was definitely, um, you know, when we worked on the script uh, early on, we, you know, I definitely, we all saw this sort of very clear arc. And it was sort of well written, you know. We mm-hmm. could just like, oh, okay, so we, I'm at this point of the arc. And, and while we were making it, you know, because you shoot it out of order. Um, you know, Dale would we, we would go over okay, so he's here, right? Okay, right, yeah, let's do that, you know.
0: Right. Let's let's yeah. let's get the hair more like Hercules like Yeah,
2: exactly. It was all about the hair. <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the end of the
1: movie, it's like you you started with Slowing it like locks. combed flat and by the yeah. end it's the <laughs> bouncy curls yeah, yeah. and fantastic,
2: yeah. And another, with, one your, mm-hmm. another one of your same fa- with Sandy. Another
0: one of your favorite movies, CG, Hercules. But we don't have time to get into that. But also I forgot to say, um, how fun was it catching up with Misha in South Carolina?
2: Oh my God, that was so much fun! I loved it. It was so great, and I was I was so happy that that ended up. Um, yeah, we went out to dinner. It was a fantastic time, and then and then she came on your show. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was it's so it was so great. I mean, uh, your show was so um, it was so fun. I, I listened to almost all of them. Oh, really? And it was yeah, yeah, because. Um, Uh, You know, I I just found it very, um, you know, this kind of sounds kind of funny, but it it was very healing, you know, like, you know, I got, you know, I got written off the show and although I I got to direct and I was very, you know, um, it was just really, uh, you know, I didn't have the best feelings about, you know, everybody and, you know, uh, I just felt like listening to everybody's point of view and especially um, Adam Brody's two episodes, they were fantastic. Um, and But, you know, listening to the editors and Norman and, you know, it, it, it was just great. And, and, of course, you know, Josh, it was, just, it was just such a wonderful, it was just great to hear everybody again and it just made me feel so, I, I'm so glad that you guys did that podcast
0: oh, you know what you're not the first first of all the first person who said that to me was Josh he said it was like therapy because I'm sure yeah because we all had we were all so invested and had different experiences like you said and like Alan Heinberg said he would drive around LA listening and um, yeah. you know and people from the show really did very similar things to what you just told me and that to me is a true reward and I would love to To continue to go deeper and and interview people that we've already interviewed, but do the same thing like we're doing with you, talking about other work as well. Because um, I got so much spiritually, really, for my soul doing this and connecting and talking to people.
2: Yeah, I bet. I bet you did. Yeah, Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it was really... Great. No, and I'm glad Misha came on as
0: well, you know, um, because uh, we all know that everybody has a different experience, but she was, she was really, uh, it was very wonderful that she came on and she really did it for the fans. We're doing this for people that love that show and they were really, and, and it really had such an impact on their life. And um, I'd love to interview her more about other things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, oh, and there's another thing because I did do, I listened to an interview with you with Brian Baumgartner and you talked about your first tone meeting directing for the OC and that people were talking about that. Tell me about that, that they they were like, okay, in this scene, this actor might do this, in this scene, this actor
1: might. Oh my God. I'd never heard of that.
2: Oh, it's incredible. It's like, it's sort of like being a kid and listening to your parents talk Totally honestly about the kids in the family, you know, like you're like, holy shit, they know that or they, <laughs> they feel that way about that kid. Like, yeah. So, oh, no. so I sat in my first tone meeting and they were just like, well, listen. Uh, blah 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 won't know their lines but uh, so we're, we're trying to push her to that because you know eventually she's going to be killed so you know or whatever you know it's just you're just like wait what <laughs> you know like you're thinking of this it's like yeah it's not till two seasons from now but you know and, and um they didn't say it was, that early uh, did they well no no yeah. I shouldn't have used killing her, but, <laughs> I was but, like but, what? <laughs> yeah that was you know that was uh, like, you've my sign
0: You had to sign an NDA or something. No, you're you're making that up.
2: (laughs) I'm making that up. That part, I mean, for for the OC, I'm making that up. But in other tone meetings, you know, I see. every every show has a tone meeting. So, um, uh, you know, you get this insight to the actors and how they Mm. work and uh, their work ethic and what they want to do and what they're going to fight you on and what they're not going to fight you on and... Um, I mean, they just they just know the actors like their own children. Really? And they know what uh, is going to happen in the scene and they know what's going to push their buttons and what's not. And um, it, it's it's amazing but, how tone meetings.
0: But there's got to be some actors who are like, we don't even worry about that one.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you. You were one of those. I was like,
0: I hope, because I feel like I. Oh, no. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All the adults, all the adults, they were totally like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you, Peter. Kelly, no, they didn't care about you yeah. at all. I mean, you know, they were like, oh yeah, Mindy, this is great. You know, Mindy's going to love it. She's going to tear this up. She's going <laughs> to eat it up, you know, or whatever. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so there'd be good things and then there'd be, you know, like not such good things. Well, yeah. but
0: that's, there's something to be said for actors bring amazing, wonderful things, but, and that's, but at the same time, you know, the, those, everyone has a different process. so. However, but they, yeah. they learn to adjust. So I thought that was an interesting thing because I haven't been on that, that side. So when you said that, I was like, oh. I have to ask him about that.
2: You should. You should get on that side. I You'd will, love it. You'd be, be so good at it. You'd be so good at it. We have kept you so long. I know. I'm sorry. I've kept you guys. No, oh, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm sure like well, this is our first. This is our virgin uh, maiden. <laughs> okay, good. Maiden <laughs> voyage. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> okay, good. Uh, well, it was really fun to hear what CG had to say. You know, I really did. Because I'm so curious about like how young people see all these old movies. I think it's a really great idea for a podcast. And, and CG, you're, you're so important. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's why I wanted to do this. I mean, as much as I love talking to your mom, um, <laughs> but to get your perspective is something that people want to know, want to hear.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. I think, I think it's a big topic right now. Like people, In my generation, my age, going back and looking at these things and, you know, accepting them for what they were, but also understanding, you know, where it went wrong and stuff and how times are different.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How times are different. Mm
1: -hmm. I got excited too. I was
0: like, oh, we're going to watch. I, you know, I started thinking about like Porkies and these movies that I was talking about. And then I got a little. Afraid of like of doing it because I, because yeah. I'm used to celebrating what I'm when I'm talking about because I remember seeing movies when I was young and seeing people laugh and all that and it's okay to say this is what happened then now I'm gonna rewatch and see it's it's a comment on society to see what our reactions are in in today's yeah. world you know so
2: how we've evolved
0: yeah if you have any suggestions of what she th- should should listen to or watch. Let, let text Ooh. me because we're, we're, we're also getting, we want to be interactive with the audience and watch things that they want us to watch. So,
2: uh-huh. yeah,
0: uh-huh. there's so many like, um, you know, like even, even, even like my cousin Vinny and ruthless people and dirty, dirty rotten scandals from this same yeah. writer. I
2: would go, yeah. I would go my cousin Vinny of all of those yeah. is the best Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Marissa Tomei is fucking great. And, you know, she won an Oscar for that. Yeah. Right um but yeah that's a that's a really good one
0: i mean i'd love to take cg back to i mean we're gonna stick to to some we're gonna also watch some of her favorites as well but i'd love to take her back to some of these amazing films that were produced by paramount in the 70s you know and robert evans you know the pacino movies and dog day afternoon and and all those things that was like the yeah
2: godfathers so godfathers i've never seen the
1: godfather oh
2: Oh really? Oh, oh, you're in for a treat. Or I've, I've seen treat. parts
1: of it. It's like I've walked in on people watching it, and but I no, I've never seen it all the way through. I've never seen the Titanic all the way through.
2: Oh, oh, oh that's a good one. Okay. With um, nice.
1: Well, I forget his Billy name. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Billy
2: Zane. Yeah. 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 I have yeah. to, I
0: always, the other thing is I'm kind of going through my list of asking people that I've worked with or know. So, um, I, I always think like, I don't think I know anybody in the Titanic, but you can always ask. Anyway, uh, Tate Donovan, we love you so much. Yay. We can, you can Great follow you guys. Tate on, I think it's T, what is it on Instagram?
2: Oh, T8 Dono. T-, T the number eight, and D-O-N-O. Yeah.
0: And watch, check him out on Apple TV on Ghosted. Anything else coming up?
2: Um, Yeah, I'm in a movie with um, Paul Giamatti called um, The Leftovers. I think it'll be out in the fall or maybe uh, the winter uh, uh, this year. But it's a it's a it's a great script. I have a tiny part in it, but um, it's such a good script. Really cool. Paul Giamatti. He's he's crazy good.
0: Love him, man. The the world is your oyster, CG, and you got um, a little pearl here today, Mister Donovan. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate
1: you. It that was, it was so nice to see you it. again, too, it. like 10 years yeah, later. It's
2: to see you too. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Okay. All right. Ciao. Take
1: care. Thank Bye. you.
0: Wow. CG, I think this is a great moment to stop here. <laughs> That was long. It was epic, but it was so fulfilling. That's why I'm doing this. And we're so grateful to Tate for coming on our first episode for our new
1: podcast. I know, and I can't believe how much I liked Love Potion Number Nine, and really? <laughs> that he was dating Sandra Bullock by the end of the movie. You learned some new things. Huh?
0: You you didn't even know what a Carmen Gia was, but now you know. The coolest now I know. car. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty crazy. So listeners, if you loved Tate breaking down Love potion number 9, please head on over to our Patreon for more exclusive bonus content. And more interview with Tate Donovan.
1: That is right. We have some really juicy content on the Patreon. We have some iconic
0: guests lined up for the, um, well, from shows. Look, look, we're going to do a little mini Vampire Diaries watch because it's your favorite, right?
1: It's my beyond favorite.
0: (laughs) Yes. um, We're going to look at a movie called A Walk to Remember. Hopefully Shane West will join us. Maybe Peter Gallagher will help us with Sex, Lies, and Videotape. We would love to hear what you listeners think we should rewatch. We want your input or watch for the first time as well. You can message us on our Patreon or Discord or at IG. Uh, I am at the Melinda Clark and CG is at CG Mirror. And we also have TikToks. I'm the same at the Melinda Clark and CG is at CG Mirror on TikTok. We will
1: also be taking suggestions and cannot wait to continue this re-watch journey. <laughs> I am so excited to keep watching some of these films that you're going to be introducing me to, as well as some of my favorite. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Please follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like to watch your podcast, check us out on YouTube. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon. It would really be a mistake not to check it out.
0: It's going to be fun. I can't wait, really, truly to connect with the listeners and supporters that we've had and we've built over the past couple years we're really doing this for you guys and um i can't wait to have conversations and do live events and really help this community grow and you know give back everything you've given to us bye bitches.